High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. It's time for numbers that talk in the company of Deirdre Cullen, senior statistician, no less at the uh, Central Statistics Office, who joins me every Wednesday at this time as we we try and make sense and Deirdre makes entertaining um, the figures that the Central Statistics Office pulls out. Um, Deirdre, welcome to the programme first. Thanks, George. Now, before we discuss this week's numbers, most weeks you kind of casually mention that you get a lot of your information by knocking on doors, right? That's right. Yeah. And I was trying, I was thinking about it during the week, lying in bed, and I was thinking, there must be a ton of people wandering around Ireland knocking on doors. Uh, we have 100 uh, interviewers permanently, what we call in the field, uh, canvassing and surveying householders. And then we have another 80 people who just do prices. So I was on a couple of weeks ago talking about prices. Remember the sweet yeah. potatoes and the avocados? So we have a team of 80 people out there with little handheld devices measuring prices. But the the people knocking on doors, they have the hardest job because trying to get people at home and trying to get people to cooperate with the survey. And Now, why have you never knocked at my doors, Madeline? Is there a particular you... ban on me? No, um, I was selected, so they knocked on my door about Did 10 years really? ago. Absolutely. And a lot of people in the CSO, so if you start talking to friends and neighbours and ask them if they've ever been selected yeah. for the QNHS sample by the CSO, you'll find quite a few of them have okay. because over the years, a lot of people end up being selected. So you mightn't have been home or hopefully you okay. didn't refuse. I certainly would not good. No, I, I don't imagine you would. No, yeah. no. Very few people do. We get great cooperation what from the public. What are we looking public. at now? Today, uh, I'm going to talk about um, disposable income by county. So last week, I was talking about um, how we've re- regained or recovered, if you like, from the downturn and where we're looking at jobs and where we've kind of come from the trough of, you know, I was talking about August 2011. So today, I have figures in front of me that look at disposable income by county and to see which parts of the country are doing better and, you know, how much of the pie, if you like, Dublin is taking up, which it invariably is taking up a bigger chunk of the pie. And then maybe which counties have recovered best from okay. the downturn or, again, looking back at that 10-year, 2007-2017 kind of Well, gap. before we get there, presumably Dublin comes out number one. Dublin but does Just come as out. London would or Paris or whatever, as, as the capital city. And then presumably, and this is going to be interesting whether my guess is correct, somewhere like Leitrim's going to be near the bottom. So off you go now and tell <laughs> me. Well, that's I, my guess. Mr. George, you tell the listeners so. <laughs> Have you any numbers in front of you? That's my guess. (laughs) I don't need to come in here at all. (laughs) Average disposable incomes in 2014. So for the state, so this is per person, average disposable income after taxes and you've paid your PRSI was €19,178 per person in the state. That is very high. Yeah. When you take an average figure. An average figure, yeah, that's per person. And in Dublin, it was 21,963, okay. so just shy of 22,000. Okay. So Dublin was 15% higher than the state average. Um, 
it wasn't Leitrim that was the lowest, it was Donegal. Was it? And when we run the census, we and the census results are coming out tomorrow, of course, big excitement. When we run the census and look at the results, we often see Donegal as coming out as having, you know, the highest levels of unemployment and, you know, they'd be high on a, a range of other indicators. So Donegal was 15,061 euro. Cavan was just under 17,000. Um, Wexford usually does badly on these measures as well, 18,200. So... 5% below the state average. But I mean, Donegal, 21% below the state average. Yeah, but it, like when you look at Donegal, it's really interesting because a, you can almost have a direct comparison uh, with the incomes and then you look at what are what's the sort of access to Donegal or the availability maybe of broadband. I mean, if you start doing another series of analyses then, you discover Donegal scores badly. So because of that, it then suffers uh, in in terms of getting industry and so on. That's right, and, and, and having good income. That's right. So it is all tied in. If we look back over 10 years, because we were talking about the recovery last week, um, so the average disposable income in Dublin at €21,963 is it just over €1,000 still lower than it was in 2007. So we haven't, we're, we've still all got less money now than we had 10 years ago. And I... I don't know if your listeners would agree with that, but I think most of us would feel, yeah, that sounds about right. So while there are more jobs there, the economy is picking up, maybe we don't have the money in our pockets yet. But the county that is the worst off now compared to uh, 10 years ago is Meath. So their average disposable income in 2007 was just under 23,000 and now it's uh, just over 18,500. So they're still that's down. That's huge. Uh, yeah. Well, you see, uh, Meath was, it was a commuter belt county. It was a lot of construction industry workers, talking about construction again, live in Meath. So Meath is one of the counties most impacted. Cavan is still down 3,600 euro. This is average disposable income, remember, over the 10 years. Donegal hasn't been impacted over the 10 years as much because maybe they didn't have you know, well, that much at to begin with. They were yeah. at a low base. Yeah. And at a state level, €1,929 Euro, um, over the but, 10 years. But it, to go back to the so, Mead thing, where I think you said to me it went from 23,000 rounded up or rounded down, 23,000 down to 18, right? 18 and a half, yeah. yeah. Now, the thing, of course, about that is that's a raw figure of, of an average figure. But now that means people in Mead are spending less in the supermarket or, you know, they're going to the cinema less or they're not eating in restaurants less. So that's the impact of a kind of a raw figure, isn't it? It is, of course. But then we, you know, clearly back in 2007, it was quite high. Do you know what I mean? For it to have fallen that An much. exaggerated figure. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe that extra income was been spent. It's not all, the, not all income is spent in the domestic economy. So it could have been spent, you know, down in the holiday home in Spain or, you know, who knows. But... Or but, sent back if they were if they were foreign nationals, it could have been sent back to the original it could, it could have been country of origin. Yeah, yeah. 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 But on the state average, we're two thousand euro uh, average disposable income is still less than uh, ten years ago. Now we in Cork, of course, would consider ourselves in a very superior position. How are we doing where cash is concerned? So Cork is in the southwest, and they're two percent below the state average. And uh, 1,600 on 10 years ago, still down. Yeah. 
So, so, so where are we in relation to Dublin? I mean, Cork people only compare themselves to Dublin, not anywhere else. Dublin is twenty two thousand, yeah. and Cork is nineteen. So you're, oh, you're yeah, right. yeah, not doing too but, well. But but you see. So, the important thing here, though, is like all the figures you do, because because obviously we have to, with the short amount of time at our disposal, we have to look at specific figures. But then, like when you start doing larger figures, you you sit down and say, well, how much is a house in Cork versus how much is a house in Dublin, or how much is rent, and and all these sort of things. So it is under it's it's not as simple that. Somebody in Dublin has earned 22 and somebody in Cork has earned 19. No, it's not. And it, 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 it yeah. has to do with the local economy. And we have conversations and work, interestingly, because I live in Glasnevin on the north side and quite a few of my colleagues live on the south side. And we'd have conversations about how much does it cost you to go to the GP or how much does it cost you to get your hair done. So even within Dublin, there's big differences on, on what your, your basket of goods and services costs you. So... Of course, there's all those regional differences. Yeah, just cheer me up and tell me <laughs> that Cork is paid higher than Kerry, will you? Just cheer I me up. I don't have Kerry in front of me, but I, I, think, I think it is. I, think, it I is. think we could safely assume, could we? I think you could safely assume. It's on the CSO website, my standard <laughs> answer when you ask me something and I don't have the, CSO I don't, I don't have the figures. So, but I have other figures here now. Yeah. So if we look at uh, gross value added, so the whole measure of the economy, right? Um, and we so and we look at the share of the measure of the economy of Dublin versus the rest of the country. So if we take um, the the total uh, gross value added in two thousand and thirteen was one hundred and sixty five billion euro, and forty four percent of that was generated in Dublin in the Dublin region, and only uh, six just under six percent was generated in the border region, three point three percent in the Midlands, etc. Now, you, people might say, well, so much of it is generated in Dublin because so many people live here. But only 28% of the population live in the Dublin region and 30% of the working population live in the Dublin region. So on a, it, on a per head basis, Dublin has more than its share. Yeah. Which, but but that is that was the whole thing like behind the kind of McCready idea of decentralisation and all that. I mean, success of politicians and governments have attempted to change that imbalance. But, I mean, I don't know much about France, but I know a fair amount about the UK. If you look at um, the UK, London versus the rest of the UK, the, the preponderance will be in London. I saw a really interesting figure, but you don't like going back further than 10 years, right? So I, I, I'm happy to if you, if you, you know, if there's something we want to cover. But no, it's no, interesting but to go back you. to the 50s. Yeah. No, no, I'm not going back to the 50s. <laughs> I'm going back to 1746, all right, which was known as uh, uh, the time of George III and all that kind of thing. Restoration Britain, I think it was called, when they restored the monarchy, all right? The population of London was 4.9 million in 1745. Goodness okay? me. The second city was Norwich. Population, 20,000. Right. That's, that's an extraordinary disparity, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, so the, 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 London was something like I, I'm not as expert in this part now of the question, but it was something like a two hundred percent of the next ten biggest cities combined, and obviously it's not that anymore. But it's in like I only say it because 
you're the only person to be interested in those kind of <laughs> I'm sure your your listeners everywhere are going. That's fascinating. Yeah. Norwich, you always think of um, uh, Robin Hood. Is was that no, no, no. no. <laughs> when was he? Deirdre Stickness to text. Robin Hood was Nottingham. Oh, Nottingham, Nottingham. The you began with an L. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but then if we look at, sorry, so I'll just yeah. give Get it. Get back and, to facts. I have some EU comparisons here oh, as well yeah. I'd like to cover because you, know, you, yeah, yeah. you like that. But if we look at the gross value added in 2007, 2014, again, doing this 10-year thing, and in 2007, uh, Dublin was generating just under 40% of the gross value added in the country. And today it's generating 45%. So Dublin has gained share as a consequence of the downturn. So the, 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 if you like, the value added or the wealth was being spread more across the country. Now, again, you look at the whole construction industry and all the associated service industry jobs and everything that went with it, maybe that's not that surprising. But when we did our last set of population projections, and you know, to do that, you have to look out and you have to look at different possible scenarios. There was a feeling at that time, and it has been borne out, a lot of the new jobs will be generated in Dublin and in the greater Dublin region and that people will also want to live in Dublin. Yeah, no, it is the role of the CSO and you as senior statistician, obviously, to simply factually look at the figures. It's for somebody else to take the action based on the figures, i.e. Right. government and, right. and so on. But if you think that the, gro- the growth of Dublin has actually is unabated rather than remaining the same again, let's actually get more, mm. then the impact for rural Ireland, one suspects, uh, you think, well, if there's more jobs and there's more money being generated, more young people are going to leave rural Ireland in order to work there. That's so the social impact of the figures is very important. It is very important. And that's why the Department of Housing do have, you know, their 10-year planning framework. And, you know, so like regions and counties are constantly coming up with development plans to address, if you like, the, the magnetic pull of Dublin, you know, which, as you say, it, it happens everywhere that large cities have this magnetic draw. And it is up to the policymakers and the politicians to, if you like, address that and, and to, to spread things out. And that was part of the decentralisation programme. But, yeah. you know, it's such a wonderful city, George, you know, you just... Yeah. The only thing I have to say to you here, actually, you're probably slightly wrong. The magnetic pole is actually in the North Pole, not in Dublin. Pole? But... pole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when I when I get out my uh, compass, it doesn't. the arrow doesn't head towards Dublin, it actually heads towards North. So I read an article in, in uh, a very important newspaper a couple of years ago, and it was in the context of the, the Greek negotiations oh, and yeah? the bailout, yeah. etc. And as a kind of a side comment, they said that um, they mentioned Ireland and Spain and Portugal, and Ireland as being one of the poorest countries in Europe. And I got on to them and I said, no, we're not. <laughs> and at, on the standard measure of poverty, it's GMP per capita. Ireland is the second wealthiest country in Europe. So if we take the EU 28 as having, you know, on an index basis as being 100. In 2007, the index for Ireland was 147. So we were 47% above the EU average. And today we're still 32% above the EU average. And who's... The most below the average. I don't have the other countries here. Luxembourg is the highest. Oh, yeah. And then, right. you but know, Romania and Hungary and, and countries yeah. like that. But sure, sure, 
Luxembourg is the same size as Tralee or somewhere. I mean, you, you can't compare a place like Luxembourg, you know. It's a bit like it's Geneva, not... you know. Yeah. Geneva has all these UNs and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's it's a quite different, you know. Yeah, that's true. It's not a fair comparison. But I was delighted you took the Daily Telegraph to task. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the Telegraph. Yeah. My beloved Telegraph is always keen to have a cut in Ireland, I noticed. That's why I don't read its political opinion. Well, in 2014, Dublin, as a region in Europe, and you take the index as 100 for the whole of Europe, Dublin was 215. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding As you. a region? That's a statistic. As a region, Dublin. So, for argument's sake, now what would you be comparing against, like, say, Bavaria or something? Is that, is that what you might be comparing against? Probably. Probably. I don't know what or, the regions or, in Germany no, of are. of course not. No. But you could be comparing it with, say, the Algarve. Like, I'm only thinking That's about right. places that I know. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, on but a regional could... basis, yeah. The index for Dublin was 214.9. That's an unbelievable figure. Yeah. Like, so even my great guesswork that got leaked from bottom of the pile, wouldn't it, I wouldn't have come, come up with that. Well, most other regions in Ireland were below that that EU average. Of, were they? Yeah, the border was only 64 63.6, the Midlands 68.5, and the Midwest was 100, and the Southwest was above, so 160, 159.2. So again, that would be. Well, maybe a the lot magazine the, you had the row with, maybe they were looking at the wrong region. Do you know? Well, there were, it was just Ireland. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, so again, that's just a, a gross value added, yeah, yeah, per person, yeah. But but so. I I mean. The thing is why I love talking to you on a Wednesday is like that when particularly somebody like me, I, I'm not I don't bother too much with facts, you know. Whereas then you come you're, in you're the, good at them though. You come in then the Wednesday and you bamboozle me with facts. But but the interesting thing, what it does is that most of us, ordinary people, um have a view on things, do you know? But it isn't necessarily supported by research because we're just ordinary people and we don't have research at our disposal. What a lot of the stuff we do here on a Wednesday with you, it, it changes established ideas or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And, and and that's fantastic to hear because that's that's why we you know that's why you know I'm happy to do this and that's of course the whole remit of the CSO is to inform decision making that's kind of buzzwords that go around but it's basically to dispel dispel the the myths with facts yeah well and, I mean you know you know it, and and to put hard numbers on you know perceptions you know around emotive topics as well immigration emigration that's right you know and you know the disparity in 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 incomes across the country etc cetera, etc cetera. so the census results are out tomorrow George I'm looking forward eleven to it. o'clock <laughs> yeah so I mean the census was held a year ago the twenty fourth yeah. of April two thousand sixteen I filled it in. I should hope so, because if not, we'd be prosecuting you. We do prosecute people. Do who, yes, yes. Oh, no, no, I filled it in, in at the we appropriate time. That, though, I was sitting there next to Ingrid and I said, how much Irish do you speak, Ingrid? I have to tick the box here. Well, now you're another little one adding into the total. So coming out at 11 o'clock tomorrow. So, um, yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. All right. So, so you'll be standing 
it, it you'll be in like the government the, press centre. That's where we release the results. Yeah, so yeah. you're like the Minister for Finance on Budget Day. You have the the leather thing with all the figures and the leather briefcase with all the well, figures. Yeah, I like I like to think it's is as important and and and, and as <laughs> anticipated. <laughs> as, certainly, as Budget Day. It's anticipated in the high noon studio. And Deirdre, as soon as you're done with Andy Kenny, Michael Noonan, Simon Coveney, Leo Varadkar, et al. Oh, Francis Fitzgerald, we can't leave the distaff side out of it. You'll come rushing down here as fast as you can to tell me all about it. More than happy to, George. Look forward to it. There was Deirdre Cullen, Chief Statistician at the CSO.